Welcome to Alchemical Health with me, Stuart Jeffrey, and and me, Jen Gash. We'll be discussing how we can create well-being in a way that enhances the living world. What health might look, health and care might look like in a regenerative and sustainable future. And today, we've got a special, special guest for you. Da, da, da. Oh, I mean, I really, really am impressed by the quality and depth and understanding of this particular person. Um, yes. I've known her for a very short while. Um, obviously, a very short while in the concept of the fourteen and a half billion years of the universe. Um, it is our very own Jen Gash. Yay! Welcome, Jen. Jen. Jeanette Gash. Jeanette Elizabeth Jeffrey, I think you'll find. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. Jedge. <laughs> Jedge, yes. yes. Um, Jen, you're gonna, you've got a book out, haven't you? I have, and I'm just hoping that today might be the publishing date. I haven't, haven't heard yet, but today may well be the date. I know. It's um, not my first rodeo in the book front. I swore oh, six or seven years ago that I would never write another book, and yet here I am. <laughs> Yeah, you failed. Yeah, failed in your promise to yourself never to write a book. Yeah, no. So it's good. You, you obviously did um, um, a very interesting one all about creativity a few years ago. Really good. Yeah, yep. I think I think I may even have a copy somewhere. I, I think I actually read it. Which um, no, I don't reckon you read it. No one's read it. <laughs> I, I did. I did actually read it. It was quite good. And your second book, um, uh, I, I have read, honestly. And I have, Actually, can I just point out, it's the third, sort of the third book, because there is also a book on coaching and occupational therapy, which is a very good read if you're an OT and if you're not an OT. So technically okay. it's the third book, but yeah. But you haven't told me about that one, so I haven't read it. But no, you don't have to read that one. Okay. I'll let you good. off. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jen, do you want to just give us a bit of a uh, an overview of the book, first of all? Well, it's snappily called, well, it was snappy originally because it was called Bored, but it does have the not so snappy subheading of, so Bored and then the heading of why do we, why we need something to do every day and what happens if we don't. So the, yeah, and I'm still sort of not sure whether that's snappy enough, but it's essentially saying that human beings need to wake up every morning and have something to do. And inherently that we are human doings much more than human beings and the book comes from a a, yeah a long long standpoint of me being personally and professionally interested in boredom and people being occupied and if so with what and why excellent excellent i mean i love the way you've called it bored rather than boring because i think boring (laughs) might have affected the sales Well, should we see if there's going to be any sales stream before we make a judgment call on whether it was <laughs> had any impact at all? But no, I'm I'm really hopeful that um, this will be a interesting book for all manner of people. Partly, it's a shortish book. It's kind of about well, by book standards, it's shortish, about thirty five thousand words, which is kind of your about half of a normal novel size. So it's or maybe it's a novella, but it's not a novella because it's not a novel. But it's a um, Toilet size book. A I think that's what they call it, isn't it? A toilet, a toilet book. book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or when you're bored on the toilet. <laughs> oh dear. I wish I wish our lovely listeners could see your face at the moment. It's so yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure that's what Candy Crush was invented for. But we won't go. <laughs> um, so tell us, what is boredom? 
Well, boredom is essentially a an experience without qualities. So something that we're either doing or not doing that doesn't give us satisfaction or meaning. Um, so we can be bored when we're doing something, you know, we can be really busy, but bored because it doesn't have quality, uh, a quality of experience for us or meaning, or the meaning is not giving us fulfillment and satisfaction, but we can also be not supposedly from an observer outdoor out, outside observer point of view, we might look like we're not doing something and also be bored, which makes more sense, doesn't it to us all? Cause you, you know, a lot of the time when we talk about being bored, it's because we're sitting there not knowing what to do with ourselves or our kids are going, I'm bored because they're sitting. Sometimes they're sitting in front of the telly flicking. Bored, or... bored, bored, bored. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, it, boredom is a does not have the, it's not given the attention that other psychological states are. Well, it's not just a psychological state, for, you, know, for, you know, that's something I strongly argue in the book. Um, but unlike lots of other human states, it's not been given the research or elevated to the same status to which I think it should be. Um, because I would argue it's one of the most important things we need to understand as human beings and as societies and as a planet that is struggling. So I am very, very, very committed to seeing boredom raised up in the uh, community. So. So just overall, is it a good thing to be bored or a bad thing to be bored? Oh, Stuart, you know we can't go good or bad. I mean, overall, overall, I say that the scales of balance fall on the not so good side. But the the good stuff that comes out of being bored are, you know, boredom can promote us to do something different. Boredom can alert us to something going a bit wonky inside it can say oh, i'm bored okay what does my body want me to do what does my mind want me to do um you know there were lots you, of you were talking about wibbling a couple of episodes ago <laughs> and, yeah and, and wibbling is kind of a bit boring um it's that doing oh, it's, nothing yeah, it it's is, kind yeah. of doing something that's not got any purpose but allowing some of those creative thoughts to come in yeah. so yeah, wibbling is brilliant yeah so how does wibbling differ from being bored being bored bored well let's just go back a step i mean okay. boredom to me is an umbrella concept it's a it's a term we use that will cover all sorts of quite complex feelings and states that we that, that we might kind of roll up into one word called boredom and if what i've asked the readers of the book at one point in it is to unpick what they use that word for um, because if you, there's lots of umbrella terms in society that don't actually do, they're not very helpful. So another umbrella term might be procrastination, where, which we, we, is quite a bad word in some ways. We talk about procrastination being bad, but it's also, you know, it can mean waiting patiently for the right answer to occur to us. It can mean, um, pondering things that we need to unpick in our minds. It can mean, um, passing over a lot of different scenarios it can mean having a rest it can mean all sorts of things what so what do we want procrastination when do we want it yeah i'm not sure <laughs> not just yet thank you very much yeah <laughs> i know uh, and the same with boredom you know if you if you ask someone are you bored and then you kind of ask them to describe what's going on internally you might have a bit of 
um someone might say they're a bit tired but um or they actually uh need to get up and move their body because they've been sat in the same place for the same in the same room for too long or what have you or they might also say well i'm a bit stressed but i don't know what to do about something and that's making me feel a a sort of a lack of sense of agency or self-efficacy or whatever um are you bored or or is it that you are (laughs) hungry sometimes or are you bored because you've eaten too much and your body has kind of gone sort of in it's sort of i call it food coma when you kind of shut down because you've just had an overwhelm of stuff and you can't cope with it whether it's food or whether it's too much excitement or whatever and we have to shut down because our sensory or physical systems can't cope with it there's so many things to what boredom is um what was your original question Stu? <laughs> well i said was it good or bad i think um... oh yeah so so no it's neither but i you know I think people tend to fall on the side of not so great. The good things about boredom are that it does let us, um, it can prompt us to, be, you know, to create action. It can prompt us to question why we're feeling bored and whether we're doing something that's right for us in the bigger sense of the word, or it can promote creativity um, or innovation, or it can, you know, the bad bits. Well, I think they're really interesting and I don't know whether you're going to ask about them later, but. Uh, well, uh, so. So your your book opens by by saying um, I'm not going to do a Chinese proverb as my <laughs> as my opening gambit, um, and and I wonder why, given that there is that fake Chinese proverb um, from the from the late Victorian era. I think it might I think it was attributed to someone like Disraeli or someone. Oh um, right, um, which would be perfect. Go on then, go. What is it? Oh, you know, um, the 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 cur the, the fake Chinese curse. Um, may you live in interesting times. Oh, I I kind of assumed that was in the back of your mind, and it was a subtle ploy not to put it in there. Oh, because because it is a curse in in many respects. Yeah. Isn't it? You know, the last mm. thing you want to do is living in interesting times like now, when it's far too bloody interesting for our own good. Um. You know, Hawaii now going up in smoke, for example. You know, you really don't want that level of in- interesting times, do you? And it certainly doesn't lead to people being bored. It's mm. much better to be. Oh, look! It's it's a bit overcast and grey. The wind's not too high. <laughs> high. Um, I've yeah. got I've got a reasonable amount of food to eat. Not too much. Not too little. These are really good things, are they not? Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I think a lot of this is because. Um, our our you know I talk a lot about in the book about sort of over the last sort of certainly 50 60 years um, maybe we're talking 70 years now I'm trying to think back where we are I kind of get like sometimes think I'm in the 80s or 90s still um as we all do bring on the Duran Duran um right sorry about that um that yes, uh, you know, you know, you know, if um, <laughs> Back to the Future was filmed now, he'd be going back to 1993, which oh, I think no. is the year you got married, isn't it? It is, yeah, 30 years ago. Oh, thanks, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, technically I've only been married like half an hour. Well, hey ho. Or maybe we could just land before I get married. And oh, no, no, don't don't say that, Jen. Not to the point. Oh, it's, it's recorded. <laughs> He'll know about it. Um, yeah, I think that um, there is so much choice and variety in our world right now. I mean, when I think about, and it's, this isn't another internet rant, it's to do with all sorts of things. It's to do with the way we produce goods, the way that television and other media works. Um, even the fact that I can, you know, 
write a book and what have you that and publish it etc that none of that happened 40 50 years ago there's a surfeit of choice and this is one of the one description of um i think there's no tea description actually about why boredom some sometimes occurs because we've got too much choice and it's almost like they kind of merge into each other and create that sort of fog in some ways i was just thinking about you know i look around me and one of the one of the pictures in the book we we, we made um was a kid that's got that's saying they're bored and i mean when you and i said we were bored in the 70s we had a tv with three channels didn't we and we could we had a bike and perhaps some roller skates um and a stick obviously everyone's got a stick that they can play with in the mud because that's a classic definition of go and find something to do isn't it you know now same kids might describe their board but they have got maybe a playstation phone multiple games multiple tv programs videos streaming services and that's before books magazines jigsaw puzzles dare i craft activities etc so the surfeit of choice which surfeit just means too much choice has seems to have the same effect as having um literally nothing to do that is a really interesting point and you know the the the, the mind-boggling choice of i go and buy a t-shirt in town yes you know, there are 15 different shops all all selling me the same thing ultimately mm-hmm. probably made mm-hmm. in the same factory all oh, yeah. with slightly different branding and slightly different yeah. prices you know it's it's yeah. a false choice isn't it yeah yeah um, yeah but but that idea of having all of that amount of choice and opportunity how does that so so i come from um you know uh, yeah my life's stupidly busy I, I i wish i could get bored i really do wish i could get bored um and 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 i and i hate i hate being on the go all the time um and i i absolutely love the the sort of half hour after i get up in the morning when i can just sit and be quiet and and empty my mind and and meditate for for, for half an hour um to me that is kind of probably the most or, or if I'm going for a run I went for a run this morning instead so you know I'll, I'll I, I don't have ear pods in when I run I just oh. listen to the to the noise of the birds as I run along the side of the river basically uh, it's lovely but it's oh. it's not exciting in um it, it's not I haven't got my phone going I haven't got um 15 channels to look at um it's just me and that environment and trying to be trying to quiet my mind down and just take it all in how does that relate to a boredom and b the problems that we're experiencing through too mm. much choice well essentially we are sensory beings you know human beings are the only way we perceive the world and the only way we can make sense of it is through our senses <laughs> literally make sense of it so you've got your usual senses that we know sight and hearing and touch etc but we've also got internal senses um thirst hunger temperature etc now how our body feels inside um, and also we could add intuition as well as another one um and we need to have a varied sensory diet same as we need a variety of food we need a variety a sensory diet really that has some less intense times, some more varied times, some slower times, some faster times, 
because then we have a way of relating them to each other and integrating them. You know, I, I think I might've put in the book about hating the word balance. Um, but I would say it's more of a dynamic equilibrium. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a being able to sort of flex when we need to shrink back when we need to expand into one area, shrink back when we need to. And the whole thing basically revolves around the same keeping within the same bounds so that we can function. And that is, you know, goes through our sensory diet really. And I think that the problem with labeling things as boring is that we discount so many activities that are inherently rich in other sensory ways, like you've just described, um, you know, listening to the birds, you know, feeling the wind on your face when you're running, etc. Um, but also don't discount the fact that in the back of your mind, as you're running along, you're processing so much stuff as well, your brain is able to store certain things. It's, it's like a computer running in the background, isn't it? It's not going to switch off, but it is doing a lot of sorting out and tidying and housekeeping. So that's important. But if we, if we try to not have boring times, that that equilibrium doesn't work very well and we don't have the sort of sorting out downtimes, um, slower times. So, you know, I, and it's like a muscle if you, if you don't, get used to those times. And I have in recent years really struggled with reading normal books. And it's one of my, my goals for the next couple of years is to read a normal book because I've started listening to eBooks um, and also now a short form book, but you know, it's, it's quite a different experience reading a printed book at a slower pace. And reading um, a novel. I find yeah. reading, uh, I mean, I, I, I've usually got three or four books on the go at any one time, um, mm. but one of them I, I always make sure is a novel and it doesn't have to mm. I've just finished Harry Potter too, again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it, it, it takes, it, 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 it engages a different part of the brain, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. But and you I write think... about the, the balance thing. So, mm. um, yeah, which we're not calling balance because I hate it. We're going to call it dynamic equilibrium. Dynamic equilibrium is a much better phrase, isn't it? Because balance does sort of suggest a lack of movement. Boredom. Yeah. Um, Even the word balance makes me immediately think I've got to be boring, a boring person. I've got yeah. to have less in my life. I've got to do less stuff. And that's not true. That's not what we're talking about. But you, with balance and, and the dynamic equilibrium, I always think of the tightrope walker. You know, if, if you haven't yes. got that long stick and it isn't moving slightly to keep you um on that wire mm, <laughs> you're going to mm. fall off because yeah, you might be balanced but something will take you off but if you've got that yeah. large long stick you've got that dynamism to to to, to keep yeah. the equilibrium but i yeah. think that the so there's a couple of bits that go alongside that um dynamic equilibrium um and that that's kind of limits mm, mm. um these concepts that um i mean i used to get cross from my daughter's school um for, for for this sort of you can be anything you want to there are no oh, limits yeah. approach well there are limits in life there are limits with absolutely everything so how does limiting mm. what we do and um how does that relate to the concept of dynamic equilibrium so you know, yeah you're really going for the easy questions aren't you today Steve? yeah i thought i thought i'd just just <laughs> ease you in slowly <laughs> 
so tell me what you mean so you've obviously described limits as in a so um, how much boredom kind of, yeah. how much stimulation you know if 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 you need both that's good understand yeah. and i think you're right yeah. we need both yeah but what what's too much well, what, i think that there's yeah but we we can't say that can we because we're all so different i mean i there are people which i kind of look at their lives and think how on earth are you managing to do so much are you going to somehow crash because you're not ever stopping or slowing down or whatever and then i have have people i look at their lives and you know this isn't a judgment thing it's just kind of like or flummoxes me and there are people i look at and think you don't have enough in your life i know people that don't ever go out that are our age or younger that maybe don't have friends or hobbies or work or what have you and they're very very happy to sit and read maybe make some food maybe go for a walk etc and that equally i can't i can't understand that either but we I'm very are absolutely <laughs> we are absolutely such so different as human beings aren't we i mean i think what you've got to you've got the context is massive so in ot in occupational therapy we have a model which is the called peo so person environment and occupation and how those three elements interact is how we uh function if you like i hate that word but anyway so the person is the uniqueness it's the difference of physiology psychology etc cognition blah 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 the environment is the contexts and but also the physical social environment etc um and the occupation is the doing bit yeah it's the different activities and so you know there's no such thing in some ways as too little or too less depending on the environment and the activity you know they all and it, i in in the person environment occupation model they these areas overlap so the bit it, it, that's created where all three overlap is where performance occurs for example so the 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 the, the you know in my my way of describing how we function possibly at our best is when there's a good fit between us as a person and the environment and the occupation. So we're probably able to do more, sort of perhaps if you want to say succeed more or perform better or whatever you want to say or reach those limits that you've said about school kind of going on about is when those three sections overlap into a, you know, those Venn diagram overlap into a bigger section when it shrinks down to a really small section there's a lot more stress and you've got a i i i think a lot less flexibility to actually be well and cope really i think you know it's if the person needs something different but their environment is demanding something different and the occupation isn't suiting them then you have got a real struggle on your hands okay uh, let me <laughs> No, no, that's good. It's good. Um, that's all right. I'm just the reader. The readers now. The listeners can't see me looking at your face, and 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 there's this look. I lo- I love. I look at when I look at your face, and it's kind of like, okay, uh, has she answered my question? Yeah, I wasn't sure. Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let me phrase it a different way. Um, you um you've made this thing about we are human doings. I'm. Yep find that a little bit offensive <laughs> I, I'm just saying <laughs> just putting that out there um I'm 
but I get I get the meaning. Uh, you mm. know, you're suggesting we're human doings rather than human beings. I disagree. I think we're both. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not. As I said, we're more human doings than human beings. That's what I've said. We're but not should, completely should one we or the be? other. Should we be? Is that part it's of the not, problem? Is I, I think it's. No, I think the problem is we don't understand the balance of being and doing. We don't understand ourselves enough to know what creates well-being in ourselves and well-being for others and our environment through our doing. I think that's the problem. You know, I I, I start, you know, as, a, as the book goes on, I do sort of introduce some ideas about problems to do with um, the environment and climate. And, you know, it takes quite a lot of gut-wrenching stuff to sort of say, well, the impact of my daily doing is having this impact on the environment and to see that and admit that to myself is really hard um yeah, yeah i think and, you, you say um page and, 76 listeners um <laughs> uh, certainly in the draft i've got um our innate human need to keep occupied um every day you 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 you, you sort of put this out there as we we mm. should we need this occupation we need yeah, to, to keep we well need to be um, occupied and um, so the question is you know how do we do that without trashing the planet well you know we've you and I we discussed regenerative healthcare a while ago and it's essentially the same to my mind it's the same solution you know be occupied with doing stuff that regenerates that recreates that recycles that re remakes rather than um waking up in the morning and doing stuff that takes away from those situations so you know i'm not i i really the bit i struggle with saying is the example i often give is about making food you know i if i'm if i'm doing a normal job and i have less time because i'm out of the house and i come home and i'm tired i will reach for ready meal that has plastic that's been through various processes that are not good for the environment that produce waste that isn't also probably the best food if somehow I, I, you know, want to change that, do I change the environment in which I'm operating in, you know, in as much as that I don't go to work, but I spend a bit more time cooking from scratch, buying vegetables that aren't in wrappers, blah, blah, blah. Now, the reason I have a problem with saying all that is because, you know, my internal feminist side is going, you're going to put women back 100 years, Jen, because... You know, we fought for this position where we where we can go to work and what have you. But a lot of our ability to go to work as women has been founded on labour saving devices. And I don't mean just washing machines. I mean, ready meals, cars, um, all sorts of things which make our ability to be out of the house and not doing that stuff much easier. So when I say all of that, I am um, really I, I, I was just going to ask, I'm, you know, why, why don't you make your husband cook? Um, Oh, no, I know. Um, yeah. But having having known him for quite some time, <laughs> I probably understand the answer. To and, that and having lived with him back yeah, in the day, that over forty years ago, years. I know, <laughs> I know. No, you know, this is it's, it's, it's this is why, kind of, to me, so much of environment and climate related stuff is quite a feminist issue because there's so much is tied up in all sorts of gendered roles, etc. But 
Um, no, no, there are lots of ways of looking at this. And the more complex you make a system, you know, you introduce a couple of children into the mix that one doesn't like eating one thing, one's got an allergy to something else, you know, that you can't cook this, you can't cook that, you know, it becomes really a lot more complex. So, you know, I'm not, I, I use that example for ease sake, but, um, and I can't remember your original question. That is the problem. I, my mind goes on one and then I no, can't No, remember. it was all about so said, how, how, do yeah. we, how do we stay um, in a dynamic equilibrium? Yeah. And I originally you talked about the limits of how far you go, but that comes, the, the natural progression of that is how do we stay in that dynamic equilibrium without trashing the planet? Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing is that, that, that we do come back to, you know, doing stuff that is regenerative. So... Yeah. Um, at the weekend, do I find it boring to do gardening and to grow some veg so much so that we don't do the sort of regenerative aspects, for example, that gardening could give the world, that we could grow some food, we could use the land differently, or we could go and volunteer at some sort of land recovery project or something? Or do we see that as boring? Do we think, right, I'm not doing that boring gardening shit, I'm going to go and... Um, go to the pictures or I don't know, or go shopping. Try to or... Dubai for the weekend. <laughs> yeah, listeners, we were just talking about this uh, situation before this, but yes, you know, do something a bit more sexy and fun and hey, internet, I'm just going to the beach today. I'm just hopping on a plane for a two hour trip to Ibiza. Um, yeah, no, so I... This, this thing, so. So when I read the book, the thing that came through to me was that meaning and purpose kind of feel at the heart of this. Um, I mean, you described a few things that might be boring, um, and I listened to a few of them and thought, oh, <laughs> that sounds really good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love gardening. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely. Really it, but I love gardening. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I think it's something you do grow into as well. I mean, I do have some younger friends that like gardening, but I do know that I was whole, I was really holding on to the idea that as I got older, I might really enjoy gardening, but it hasn't happened yet. No, but yes, but I accept whereas, that. My, whereas my daughter actually does quite like gardening. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that exactly. surprised me. Um, she, she's got her first tomato going. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, um, we're all different, think, aren't we? I this is meaning, the problem. We're all different, you know? Yeah. So, so, so talk a bit more about meaning and purpose in life. Because um, that feels like it's at the heart of this. It, we're all different. It, we all it's one, different... It, yeah. It, it's one of the things, but meaning as well is bound up in how much, again, how much satisfaction we get from an activity. So the meaning can change according to how much we attend to it. So if I if I just glibly say I don't enjoy gardening, then I won't engage in gardening. If I think well. Perhaps if I'm outside gardening with, hey, with my with my niece, my, my brother or something or my family in the garden, you know, it becomes a different activity. Okay, so it becomes something that's sociable. It becomes something that we're all having a laugh. You know, um, we might have the radio on. If I attend, like focus and I put my mind fully to what the activity I'm doing in the garden, it changes again it changes to something where i'm absorbed in the smell of things in the soil in the um process it because i am i am the meaning changes because i'm more engaged i mean it might 
you know, if I don't get to the stage where I'm fully engaged, it might not become more meaningful, more enjoyable. I think the thing is the term meaning and purpose has become a bit banded around. Like it's if we find that as human beings, we'll be okay. But they they also tend to be banded around as big things. Like you've got to find a meaning, more meaningful career or um, a meaningful vocation in life. But meaning and purpose can be in very small things and in and change according to how we we participate in an activity. Yeah, I'm just trying to remember the name of the um, Jungian um, chap uh, writer from the 70s who talked about purpose and, and, and more of an innate purpose, a sort of what we were born to do. Um, mm, and he mm. talks about sort of the the acorn aspects, and I'm trying to think of his name. It'll come to me in a second. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think I, I don't, I'm not sure. I, I think there are multiple things that acorns could do, even though their DNA is to grow into a tree. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it. I do think that there's not one true purpose for a person, or that you know there are multiple things that could give us meaning and purpose. And I and I often think about that when I think of different career paths for me. I can think of probably five or six easily that I I would have found meaning and purpose in and really enjoyed as jobs there's certainly and to be honest the same goes for partners I mean this thing about there being one true sole partner in life I think is is not particularly helpful for us to believe you know it was James Hillman I was thinking of oh yeah yeah um and the idea you know this idea of soul making something mm. that is there um I mean, and it might not be, you know, you're, you're right, there's not necessarily one thing, but is there, how, how, am, I, how am I explaining this? You know, we're, we're talking about purpose and meaning as being aspects of boredom and yeah. non-boredom yeah. Um, and that dynamic balance. Um, so, so, so there's a model in boredom which is about meaning and attention. So, Mac model, meaning and attention, all. But meaning comes through purpose, doesn't it? Not necessarily. Okay. No. Explain I mean, the difference. Why well, doesn't well, it? Well, well, as I've just sort of said, the meaning and attentional parts of 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 something to make it boring or not boring. So, if if you know the atten- if we've got enough attention in something. You know, we're paying attention to what we're doing. We're getting internal meaning and internal satisfaction. Yeah. So if you're baking that cake and you're rubbing the fat and you're smelling the the the, the, the ingredients, and there is inherent um, attention, you're you're paying attention, so you notice those things. That in itself gives meaning because mm-hmm. you, you are you know you're creating something you know that you're involved in this activity there's going to be an outcome that all gives meaning so that's what to me that's where the attention is so if we've got problems with maintaining attention and being in completely not completely immersed but immersed enough to get satisfaction from something then there's going to be less meaning okay and that can be affected by lots of different things so meaning is not necessarily purpose it's not purpose. Okay. No, no, that's fine. If the, yeah. if the, if you've drawn a distinction, but I mean, I know, and, and yeah. So, so no, I'm not. I'm not. I think I think we can get tied up in too many words. I, you I, know. I appreciate that. I'm I'm just just trying to unpick some of the concepts, yeah, yeah. and it yeah, felt like yeah. meaning and purpose was there. But you're you're obviously focused more on the meaning bit than the purpose bit. So I. Oh, I well, no, you t- you tell me what you in terms no, no, of no, purpose. No, 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 purpose. No, I'm, no, I'm interested in terms of the purpose aspect. No, no, I'm. I'm 
yeah. Well, the purpose bit comes back to, um, I suppose, um, the the sort of innate feeling of worth of okay. doing something that's positive in the world. Yeah. Um, it comes back to you know um, possibly the 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 diver the, the, the diversions that um, now where was it um, I, I wrote down you, you put all of uh, the the uh, fault of the environment um, at, at individuals but I, within the book it felt like that for example um, but you're you're missing the manipulation perhaps of the corporations mm. and mm, mm. Um, uh, and you know just stuff like advertising over the last oh, hundred yeah, yeah. years yes, yeah. phenomenally powerful yeah. you know magic for want of a better word you know they yeah, are yeah, using yeah. symbols they're using incantations um, and and so forth mm. the, the, the yeah, yeah, magical yeah. manipulation of the populations from from corporations is just just phenomenal yeah 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 absolutely um, and, and and a lot of that for me feels like it's manipulating us away from um stuff that we would naturally find yes purposeful yes yeah, soulful um, purposeful yeah to get to to give us some level of false meaning um yeah. that is you know it's short-term satisfaction it's yeah. it's the dopamine hit versus the um oxytocin hit the yeah, serotonin yeah. hit for yeah, example absolutely absolutely and that, that's what i'm saying we get the oxytocin hit from our attention being with something as we're doing it because you know if we go back to making the cake you know the the the, the way we get the dopamine to kind of um sorry the oxytocin to kick off you know and get that longer burn not just the one-off hit is you know the one-off hit is some probably eating the having a big old chunk on the cake when it's fresh out of the oven you know we can get that kind of mm, yum but actually being involved in the process of oh, making sorry, it does I give that us word can you do that word again mm. oh yeah thank you thank you that just word. for the listeners <laughs> you know so you've got different bits come happening throughout it aren't you and if you and again if we put it in context you know you're making a cake for okay i've got my family coming round. that's sort of gives some extra meaning to it or I'm making a wedding cake oh blimey that's a really big bit of meaning that's imbued the con you know within the context of making a cake or right I'm just throwing it together because we need a pudding and it's going to be woofed down in one gulp you know you've got all different things that will affect perhaps the meaning um but in terms of the you know the the oxytocin throughout the process Again, if you're stressed because you're making a cake really quickly, it's probably going to give you less than if you're making something at a slower pace that you can sort of take time to smell the different smells during the baking or the rubbing in of the fat and all that sort of stuff. It, it's a very different activity. It's a very different activity. And I think that that's what we come back to. One size fits all doesn't work because if we go and say, you know, let's all go and make cakes, it's not going to do it for you know, vast, vast swathes of people because we need to make meaning in a very individual way, which might involve collective participation. So when I say making meaning individually, it's just that for me to get what I need as a human being is very different from what you do. You know, when I, you know, talk about individual meaning, it's not, yeah. I'm not being on my own sitting doing Zen like Buddhism, you know, on a silent, you know, isolated retreat. That's not what I mean. It's, I know you you like the sound of that. I do as well. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm much more up for sort of silent, isolated retreats than I used to be. But 
Now, I, 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 it's interesting that you feel that came across in the book because I, I tried to not be too blaming of individuals, but I think probably the solution is if we, you know, we need to do both. We need to break the magic spells that the corporations are making somehow, but at the same time become more powerful in our own spells, which means we need to, <laughs> we need to understand what, we as individuals need um, and to strengthen that part. I've got a joke for you. Oh, God. I am I'm stealing this. I saw it on Facebook last night. It's brilliant. What do you call a magician that's lost his magic? I don't know, Jen. What do you call a magician who's lost his magic? Ian. Very good. Very good. <laughs> off so much last night i really like that sorry listeners just a slight uh, diversion now i hope you enjoyed the okay. joke final question final oh, okay i thought you well, had 23 I'm, I'm mindful of time um because okay. because we've bored the listeners senseless now um moved by the way into... this is a really interesting book folks it is really it... interesting but yeah it's um, really interesting. and unfortunately all our listeners are, out, are now in this deep zen state uh, <laughs> having listened to your jokes um so talk about isolation, loneliness and old age. Oh, blimey. Yeah, how how long have I got to talk about that? You've got two minutes. <laughs> I um when I'm old, I want to live in a home of my mates. I don't put me in a care home in a magnolia box with someone visiting every half an hour to see if I need a wee or a poo or some food. To me that's that's not not helpful. Um I think that we vastly underestimate the importance of connection and activity in older age. And we've evolved to have this society where as we, you know, I mean, I'm on a threshold point at the moment with my, my two children leaving home and I'm here in a, a house potentially with one other human being and some animals. And I think we've kind of sort of capitalism does have a role in this, you know, people don't want to, sort of downsize because they want to pass on houses to their offspring so we tend to stay in larger houses or create ways where essentially we're growing old in an increasingly inside you know isolated environment you know our partner might die and then we're living on our own at home and then i i human beings aren't meant to live like this human beings are inherently social and yes it comes with all sorts of challenges to do with getting on with people and 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 all sorts but i my ideal is a cluster of mates we'll buy a you know buy or rent a big house together we'll have if we need care we'll get someone to come in to help us a bit but we'll help each other out we'll all take turns in cooking you know i'll have someone called francesca who's really good at i don't know making cakes if you like and Maud, who's really good at growing vegetables, might even have a bloke or two around, you know, just for things that blokes are good at. I think, you know, <laughs> no, no, I, I, I think it's a really fascinating topic and probably one we need to put into a podcast. <laughs> in its own right. Did you not expect me to answer like that? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm with you 100%. You know, I want to, I want to um, I, I spend my time last years. Um, I, the last thing I want to do is be in a house on my own um, mm. with a carer turning up once a day. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of anything worse, um, yeah. to be honest. But I'm, there are people who, who desperately don't want to leave their homes. No, and, absolutely. Um, um, but, but are equally bored between all of the visits they get. Um, yeah. So it's a really interesting and, and difficult place to be. 
the, the 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 NHS and social care has pushed for the last 25 years has really pushed um care closer to home um keep people at home until they physically can't stay there under any circumstances mm. any further mm. um and but we lack as a society alternatives to actually we do. we do enrich what that means you know in essence i agree with it but to then you know force that on a, a, a model of society which is inherently isolationist oh, yeah. and it and relies on people being able to get out and about is it's not going to work it's like anything if you don't look at the system in total and you exactly. just go right let's keep everyone at home and you know you and i have both worked in social care and in healthcare, community care etc um you know you can be at home in your own home and be really lonely um you know Absolutely. yes this is my home environment i love it here but why can't why isn't there some sort of way where I can be in this environment, but actually have what a human being needs. It's a really complex it's question. bit, isn't it? That's yeah. really missing. And and you're right in terms of that sort of drive to isolationist, um, the, 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 the individual being champion and we must have our mm. own little castle mm. and, and um, you know, just avoid going out, avoid interacting, avoid smiling at people in the street. You know, that's kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been throughout my lifetime. It's been increasing year mm. on year. It feels like, um, and uh, and 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 that human interaction is. Mm. Uh, um, there's got to be a word. If we're not beings or doings, maybe we're human connectings. Um, well, I mean, my I've got a lovely colleague called Alice, who's no T, Alice Hortop, and she's doing work on belonging um, mm. within our profession and. It's something about, well, we've got a sort of a phrase in OT, which is being, doing, becoming. Mm. And then the next one in the end is belonging. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, okay, let's get out the being side of life sorted, the doing side. We're being pushed in the opposite direction of um, to become be, um, human havings. You know, it's it, it's collecting yeah. physical stuff that trashes the planet, basically, isn't it? You've got to have more and yeah. more and more. Um, yeah. But, rather than doing stuff being stuff and and belonging and and being part of things absolutely I, th I, I think that's a whole that's a whole podcast in its own right isn't it yeah no absolutely and, I, and I've, i'm hoping to get alice to come and talk to us sometime but um i think you know in terms of boringness i i i, I suppose essentially what i want people to to do is to unpick is to buy how they book. use the word well there is to buy the book it's not going to, it's a cheap book guys it's not not expensive one um and it's quite fun to read it's quite humorous in places Stuart, isn't it uh jen i, I don't go there your okay. joke <laughs> so um yeah i want people to start examining and unpicking when they talk about being bored or if they've got kids that talk about being bored to unpick that so we all understand ourselves better something i didn't we didn't talk about which again i think we should at some point is the the sort of interesting sensory issues that go on in terms of risky activities and illegal activities in boredom because that's fascinating absolutely fascinating um yeah so thank you for asking me all these interesting questions excellent well thank you for writing a, a very interesting book um but um oh here here's a forge idea i've got what, yeah just unpick the next time you hear yourself saying i'm bored or f wanting to say i'm bored or if you don't ever get bored then next time you hear someone one of your kids or whatever say that they're bored say so take some time to unpick what they mean 
yeah, you know try true. and figure out whether perhaps they're tired or they're hungry or they're not engaging with something because if we engage in something then we actually can find a very quick way out of boredom hmm. or just sit in front of the television to watch the adverts <laughs> oh what and be be spell spellbound yeah 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 that's a, no that's wrong isn't it i remember <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone. Excellent. Well, thank you for listening. Um, we'll be back next time, obviously, um, with another topic. Um, show notes are, are will be on the website, are on the website. Um, obviously, if you enjoy this ep episode, don't forget to subscribe using your favourite podcast app. And please, please tell your friends, families, colleagues, the bloke in the street that you accidentally bumped into, um, they need to listen to this podcast. Um, if you want to get in touch, drop us an email at alchemicalhealth, or one word, at outlook.com. We would really love to hear from you. Um, thanks so much. Goodbye, thanks, everyone. everyone. Bye. Bye.